0: Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Hello my tribe of true crime addicts, it's Sarah from Conning the Con Podcast here, and I imagine you and I have quite a bit in common. I am a complete true crime podcast junkie, and having had the opportunity to go to CrimeCon 2021 and meet all my fellow podcasters on Podcast Row, well, I was like a kid in a candy store. Not to mention all of the incredible speakers, exhibitors, authors that were also spilling the tea there all weekend long. So don't miss out on the next CrimeCon. It's in June on the 11th and 12th in London 2022. Trust me, you don't want FOMO. Don't forget to use the code CtheC at checkout to get your exclusive con in the con discount. That's C the C. You know, like calling the con. I can't wait to meet you all there. When it comes to nature versus nurture, things like a high blood pressure, some types of cancers and even your choice of occupation are all up for debate. But what about psychopathy? Is it something that you're born with or are they moulded? Are they a product of their environment?
2: There's not a lot known about the genetic origins of psychopathy or biological origins, but there is a little bit of evidence to suggest that it's yeah, a combination of genetics, biology, and then environment that will shape and trigger those vulnerabilities. So in particular, psychopathy you would be looking at a a certain pattern of childhood early childhood experiences so if you think about our ability to form attachments to people and to care for others those are behaviors and traits that are shaped in our early relationships with our caregivers that consistency of nurture teaches a child to develop uh, attachment so it kind of fosters and models pro-social behavior but you can imagine when someone has an upbringing where their caregiver doesn't meet their needs is inconsistent or really lacking in, in affection that person or that child develops a sense that they can't trust other people the world's a harsh place you've got to be out for yourself and they adapt to that environment that harsh environment so they they learn to use behaviors like conning and manipulation and lying because that's how you survive in that environment and that's how the only way that they've been able to get their needs met rather than through pro-social behaviours. So that early environment is really, really important in shaping psychopathic traits.
0: Dr Muir there, coming up in this episode.
2: The Tonka Trilogy
3: felt like it was all building to this final chapter, all about the spy and I guess the spinal manipulation of me that he thought he could do.
1: My current job has been tough. I've been posted as a piss-stained street bum.
3: Every text he would send to that stage was crafted around that spy story. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. The shadow
4: dark palm wall moving
3: slow
0: and stretching toll and her hands hold 'em up that's cool. The shadow dark ponin slow and stretch and tall and up to the mountains her gaze is pool. Time for a bit of a recap to refresh your memories on where we left Andrew Tonks.
3: So the end of May, we're still working with the police to build the case against him. Andrew had fled the country and was apparently living in Australia, but also working for the government as a spy and was going into one serious last mission. There was a lot of things going through my head at the time. Why didn't he just cut his ties and walk away? He was out of the country. And maybe I'll never know that. I think it had shifted that point from money, which he still owed me around $90,000 to actually wanting justice.
0: We'd both come to the conclusion that there was very little chance Andrew had any more money left to squeeze out of him. And Andrew was almost fanning the flames of Emma wanting that justice by sending her through these ridiculous stories about his spy missions. Stories like this one from Chapter 6, a chapter titled, Becoming a Spy? WTF? I Wanted to Be a Businessman.
1: After three months, one container was three parts full of firearms, one drugs, and then the most disturbing one was people, mostly 16- to 18-year-old girls. This gave me massive kudos on the international agencies front. The problem with this is, you realise how small a dent you are making in these sick bastards' business. I can't mention much else at this stage, but you get the idea.
0: Yeah, we got the idea, but unfortunately for Andrew... At this stage, Emma knows that he's more Johnny English than he is James Bond. Where my direction then
3: began to swivel was to look at if there was a chance we would get him back into the country. And the detective that we're working with was working with Interpol and trying to find out if there was any way we would get him back. I wanted to see if I could play a part in that because if that was the only way I was going to get justice, if he came back in the country... I wanted to see what I could do. But who knew? It felt very pie-in-the-sky dreaming to even think that we could make him come back into the
0: country. While the New Zealand Police Force look into ways they can work with Interpol in Australia to locate Andrew and hopefully even bring him back to face justice in New Zealand – Andrew doubles down on his spy cover story and sends Emma the remainder of the Tonka trilogy, outlining the details of his current top-secret mission, which features the reprise of one of his favourite disguises, the piss-soaked
1: bum. My current job has been tough. I've been posted as a piss-stained street bum. Another good cover, and one often used by lots of agencies. So don't give those guys too much shit, you just never know. A person of interest had entered the building and left in a mass group a few hours later. He had considerably changed his appearance and was carrying a bag. He made an obvious attempt to slip the tails and avoid detection. Once out of sight from the building, this drunk bum, me, had to test out my new hip and hot-footed approximately one kilometre along the parallel street to the person of interest. I had to slip out of my bum-like clothing undetected in the laneway and get to the top of the intersecting street to resume the towel under a different identity to the bum. The morning jog was bought out and I literally bumped into the suspect on the corner. Pretending to be distracted by my headphones, I was able to confirm that the bag contained some hard devices of unknown origin. It was found the bag contained enough equipment to create an improvised explosive device. The lad is still being questioned to date.
3: The Tonka trilogy felt like it was all building to this final chapter, all about the spy and I guess this final manipulation of me that he thought he could do. When we read the trilogy first back in April, I remember literally laughing out loud. I think just the ridiculousness of his extreme version. I was angry as well. I think that came back later. I reread it and just went, oh like how he was spending his hours writing this my will was falling apart i was trying to salvage money and there he is tap, tap tap tapping on the keyboard trying to put the story together to manipulate me
0: and if you're on the edge of your seat wondering how the tonka trilogy will end don't be it is as predictable and as manipulative intentions as the rest of the story had been and after all the risks he had taken spilling classified, mission-sensitive information, you know, like every good spy does, the kicker for our main protagonist, Andrew, he doesn't even get the girl to ride off into the sunset with. But that's just my one-star review of it. You can make up your own mind. So here's the final paragraph of the Tonga Trilogy.
1: There is nothing romantic about what we do. It gives you a terrible insight into the world, and it worries me. But I guess... Even though I can never tell anyone, I like to think that one day I'll do something that helps a lot of people, and I hope one day the story can be told to people who have loved me over the years, and one day I hope I can retire happily with a beautiful woman who knows everything about me, more than anyone ever, and we can live a life as it should be lived, knowing someone else is doing exactly what I'm doing now.
3: What comes up for me when I read the top trilogy and particularly after talking to Dr. Sophie Muir is how much that showboating is in here and that trying to get, I'm so amazing and why does nobody understand all these amazing things that I've done? And really they're just in his head. Like that's the sad thing. When I look back at this and I look at what he's trying to create here, it's just so sad. I think that's what sits with me now is that he wants to be something and he can't. Every text he would send at that stage was crafted around that spy story.
1: Hey, sweetness. Sorry. I've been hot on the case all night. Just heading off for a shower and hopefully more than four hours sleep in a row. I'll be able to find time to call, though, if you'd be open to that, so we can have this much-needed chat. I will actually, if plans stay how they look now, be closer to your sister Sarah's hometown than yours on Tuesday.
3: It was all a ruse to delay the payments in the end, so I wasn't expecting
0: anything back from him at that time because I knew he wasn't a spy. Yeah, he was not a spy and clearly not much of a geographer either. Melbourne, Australia to my hometown in London is a bit more of a schlep to say the least. But was he even in Melbourne? We only landed on that as his location because we knew that that was the last known movements of him from the border police. The police at this stage still had no further information from Interpol, so they had no idea where he was either. And that got Emma and I to thinking, where would he go? Were there friends or family that he could head to? Time to do a little digging.
3: So in the Tonga trilogy, Andrew has quite a few stories about different people. And as I found out over the last few months, a lot of those are actually real people. He talked about them earlier on in the relationship, and one particular person that is in the Tonga Trilogy is Carl. He'd shown me pictures of Carl and uh, really loved the fact that he was a good friend in his life.
0: Time to reach out to Carl. Maybe Andrew had been in contact since arriving back in the country and we could help get a location for him. It was, of course, a massive long shot. So it came as no surprise to us at all that when we did get hold of Carl, he was not as tight with Tonksy. As Andrew made out, according to Carl, yes, they had gone to school together and been on good terms, but he had not seen him since 1997 when Carl had left school. So no shocker there for us. But there was a few shockers in store for Carl when we told him he had a starring role in the Tonka trilogies. He was only too eager to clear up a few points. The entire chapter, and I quote from Carl here, is completely false and fabricated. As our conversation progressed, it triggered a memory in Carl. It turns out. Andrew seemed to be telling porcupines even back at school. And one of those stories was that Andrew used to have a picture of a model, you know, cut from a magazine. And he told anyone and everyone who would listen that the model in the picture was his girlfriend. Even at that young age, Carl and his friends picked up that it didn't seem real and would have a bit of a laugh about it. That said, Carl did say Andrew was always a really nice guy and they kind of let it go because of that. I asked Dr Muir how typical it was to find consistent lying in criminals from a young age.
2: Some people, that's a consistent life course for them. For other people, it might be more opportunistic or out of character. They're under extreme stress at a certain point in their life and they find they've got some access to someone with resources and they start to blur the rights and wrongs. And, you know, it's not that life course persistent behavior, but the more life course persistent it is, the more you'd be speaking to those enduring psychopathic traits.
0: So another red flag there, but probably hard to spot in fraudsters where you typically have no lengthy history generally with them. But back to Carl, aside from him confirming that the trilogy was bollocks, complete shocker, we were not any further ahead on, one, finding Andrew's location and, two, getting him back in the country. But thankfully, the police were making better progress.
3: So on 2nd of May, I get great news that that Detective Matters said we now have an arrest warrant issued for Andrew if he does enter the country. He was actually getting some good success with the New Zealand fraud office and that there were charges being laid against Andrew for what he'd been doing with the setting up the companies. And then the, the last part of his email was another reason that I just kept going with what I was doing. And what Matt said to me was I would just keep the dialogue going at this stage, and that was really important for me just to
0: keep conversation without poking the beer but just seeing where we could go with it. Andrew's responses would swing between sickly sweet to quite aggressive, but you could almost always guarantee that when he was on the ropes, he would play his favourite diversion, the blame game. And who it would land on was always anyone's guess. Sometimes it was the banks, sometimes it was the government, or sometimes it was a bit closer
1: to home. You have to understand that anyone in their right mind knows that back at any time is not within 24 hours of giving it. And to be honest, to anyone from the outside, it looks like you and your brother deliberately tried to stitch me up by doing it within 24 hours.
3: The lies just kept coming though with it and you, you thought you had a plan and, th- and there'd be a date and you were like, great, we're getting to May 7th, then he's going to pay something and then it would get shifted again and it was so frustrating not to like lose your cool. The problem for Andrew was he was running out of cash so he had to stall.
1: The funny thing I can't seem to get through to you is if we still have the deal, your financial position will be awesome. If you want to put pressure on someone, put that onto your brother as he has completely fucked both of us, and now I'm paying for him. And I honestly think it was deliberate stitch-up. But I'll look past that because of my love for you. Kisses.
3: I thought I'd need to up the ante in some way to get this over and done with. I didn't care about the money at that point. I just didn't think there was anything left to extract at that time. It's kind of when we went a little bit mad, you and I, Sarah, and we came up with these ideas, some ways to bring him back, and we thought of all the different leverages that maybe could work to to get him back in the country. I mean, you came up with some bloody crazy ideas like fake pregnancies, which I completely vetoed from the start. There was one, though, that definitely sat with us, which was this fake counsellor.
0: So Emma told Andrew that she'd spoken to the fake counsellor and it had made her realise she shouldn't be focusing on the money at all especially at the expense of losing what was a really special relationship. We need an ultimatum. If he wasn't going to come back to New Zealand by this date,
3: it was over. There was no chance ever we were going to get back together. It didn't matter about the money. It was about the relationship. And that was the angle we took. So I sent him this message. Hi, hon. Just got back from the council session. The therapist has helped me put things in perspective, made me realize life is way too short for dwelling on the unimportant things. We had something so good and it is so rare in life to find. The fact that I am worried about you getting hurt at work all the time makes me realize that we need to fix this and move on as soon as possible. I don't want to wait until I get back and be worrying about what is happening to you while I'm in Europe. And now I know the money is coming in on Friday. Let's make a date to meet up and talk face to face. The sooner the better. Do you think you could get away from work next week? I could come and get you from the airport and I can clear my diary so we can really sort everything out. I could have Tuesday next week, easiest day to clear, but let me know if it's possible for you and if
1: you are willing. I desperately, desperately want to catch up and see you. You have no idea how much that means to me, but I have really big concerns Work is railroaded me into completing this job. I thought my bank delays and a few other issues were due to your brother, but I couldn't get my head around why he would do these things because ultimately it hurts you further by stopping the incoming monies. Given my employees' blank answer to why the 2,500 have been held up, I'm considering it may be them. I think they were worried that if you had just said, let's keep the deal rolling, as it was so lucrative and get back onto our awesome lives together, that they know I would have dropped everything.
0: Man, that Australian government really gets up in its employees' grills, doesn't it? There's so much manipulation and deflection in that text, but it doesn't end there. So what makes a load of bullshit even more believable?
1: details. One thing I can hand on heart confirm is my pay has been sent out today. It will take 48 hours or so to start showing over your site. This may be Monday as it doesn't include weekends. It'll come through as multiple payments just under 10,000 New Zealand each, but you'll have a bit over 110,000 New Zealand within three days of receiving your first transfer of that. Make sense?
0: No, it doesn't make sense, Andrew, because you're not a spy employed by the Australian government.
1: I have to go back into action today, so we're on the centre and I need to find some houses of storage of interest. They want me to stay on forever, but I've made it very clear, if you and I can continue on after you get all sorted, then I'm out.
3: Part of me hopes that he will actually come back, but I also know if he doesn't before the 12th, I'm done. I'm so done. I, I can't do any more, this emotional torture that, Go going back and
1: forth. I won't be able to meet him in person on Tuesday, so I'm worried if I leave that close to being paid, they may do something to stop it. Man, if we'd only decide to keep the agreement going, how different things would be and how quicker we could have fixed this.
0: Well, that doesn't fill Emma and I with much doubt that he has absolutely no intention of coming back into the country. But I want to leave Emma's story for a moment because at the same time as Emma is doing everything she can to get Andrew back in the country... There are other forces in play that she's got no idea about. Remember Tom Andrew's investor/next victim who was primed to invest in restaurant Queenstown. Well, Emma hadn't been able to tell him straight out that Andrew was a con man, but we had put a stop to the deal and had also planted a seed of doubt about his partner Andrew's legitimacy. Unfortunately, the seed had not grown to fruition. In fact, Andrew had managed to drown it in a large vat of pesticide and kill the seed altogether. Six months of friendship that appeared so genuine and deep had overridden any nagging doubts that Tom had. Andrew tells Tom that he must start legal proceedings against me for blowing up the restaurant deal. Hmm, Tom thinks. Start legal proceedings against the sister of the single mother of two who you owe thousands of dollars to? Nah, you're on your own there, Andrew. But Andrew's not done with Tom yet, so he presents Tom with an alternative investment, a land purchase that they will develop together. So Andrew hasn't been wasting his time on stakeouts as a piss-soaked bum, it seems, and has in fact managed to secure meetings with two potential investors through an angel investment network. And of course, if they are to be partners, they're going to need to set up a company together. And that is when Andrew feels compelled to share a dirty part of his past with Tom. Now, this might start to sound a little familiar. Andrew, he proceeds to tell Tom that his name is linked with some unjust money laundering charges resulting from a sour business deal when he was importing motorcycles in Australia. All a big mistake, and obviously not his fault. But he was sick of being wrongly associated with it, and so he had started legal proceedings to change his name in Australia. So, says Andrew, don't be alarmed, Tom, but I'll be signing the company details as one Andrew John Lowry. Yep, Andrew John Lowry, a totally new name to add to the ever-growing list. New name, new investment proposal, new investors, All Andrew really needed was to get Emma off his back. So Andrew starts pressing Tom for a 50k deposit and he lays it on like factor 50 thick. Okay, Tom thinks, it seems like a really great deal. I'll get the money lined up, but you aren't getting that money until we meet in person. And now a word from our sponsors.
2: On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.
0: You're listening to Stop the Killing. I'm Sarah Ferris. Join me and my co-host, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program, Catherine Schweit.
4: I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes, I've watched the reality of poor planning, I've traced heroic acts of bravery, and I've really sat
0: silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Our hope is that together we can stop the cries of never again fading into until next time.
1: Okay, so it's Sunday, January
3: 19th. 19th. For nearly a year, my friend Aria dated men she met online. Lots of duds, disappointments, and some disasters. But then along came Mordecai, and
4: Aria fell hard. I opened the door. There's a woman standing there. And she said, I think you know someone named Mordecai Horowitz? said, oh, you better come in.
3: In 2019, a friend of mine fell for a sensitive millionaire named Mordecai. And then she found out she wasn't the only one. It was way too good to be true. I'm Kathleen Goldhar, the host of Do You Know Mordecai from USG Audio, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: At that same time, back in Tasmania... Danielle, who if you recall has been dating Andrew since his arrival back on the Tassie Tinder scene, well she's already serious enough about their relationship to start including him in some family get-togethers.
4: Around mid-June, Andrew was invited to come to my stepsister's 40th birthday and, and at the time he was saying that he was having trouble with his bank accounts and with his cards being um, like some money had been frozen or something along those lines and he was having a cash flow problem. He'd also said that he had to go back to New Zealand. It was almost on the spot like he'd made that decision in the morning that he had to go back to New Zealand and, quote, babysit an investor who was trying to pull out of a, a restaurant sale he said "Um, I'll text you tonight when I get to wherever I've got to go I said no problem talk to you soon and I didn't hear from him that night for the rest of the night and I thought that was quite unusual for him the next day I didn't hear from him and, and that felt even more unusual and I started to panic a little bit I was sending emails saying what's going on where have you gone I was looking on the internet for any car accidents and deaths that might have happened in that area at that time and and why I hadn't heard from him. I'd said to my friends, you know, he better be either dead or in prison because they're the only two reasons as to why I shouldn't be hearing from him right now.
3: On Thursday the 13th of June 2019, I am busy working away at my computer and trying to get my life back on track. And he keeps messaging me with the thought that maybe he's coming back into the country and that we might meet the next day. And he wants to meet the next day at Millbrook, which is the place where it all started, where I first met him on that crazy date. I'm frustrated at this point because I don't want to keep this conversation going but something draws me in and I remember messaging you Sarah in London thinking oh I need to get him to be back in New Zealand somehow convince him over here and he keeps asking will there be somebody that'll stop me coming into the country And I'm like well why would anybody stop you but you know this is between you and I isn't it and he was like you see it is it's just between you and I so we leave that part and he seems to be a bit more okay with that idea. And then he keeps asking about us having, you know, pretty upfront conversations when we do meet. And I'm like, well, yes, we will. And he goes, when you talk about the elephant in the room, I'm like, yes, we will. Thinking the fact that you're a con man's a pretty bloody big elephant in the room right now. And as the the morning goes on with the messages, I have this moment. We both have this moment that we realize if he actually is coming back into the country, He's not going to come tomorrow.
0: I remember thinking he's going to try and sneak into the country earlier.
3: Yeah.
0: That I thought if he is definitely coming in, he's not going to come at the time he's telling you he's coming. No. No. I'm so frustrated with the backwards and forwards and and
3: you and I were, were going, okay, well, let's just send this last message to him, which is pretty much, yep, I'll see you tomorrow and I'm sorry, but I have to go dark on you, uh, which was his the phrase that he would use when he was undercover and I thought, you know what, I'm being a bit cheeky, let's just put that at the end of the message. So I'm going dark on him and I leave it at that. I have this niggling feeling though, if he is coming back into the country I need to let the police know, like what if he actually is? So I reach out to Detective Matt and send him a little message and I then leave it. I know that I've done as much as I can at that point. And then you and I, Sarah, keep messaging going, well, what, if he was coming in tomorrow and he was going to meet me tomorrow, then surely he'd be coming back in the country today and trying to avoid the police if we thought he was going to be coming in. And we just sort of sit with that and and you go back to sleep. And a few hours later at 2.30 p.m., I get a text from Detective Matt, and it's simple, but it's just found out Andrew is en route and he lands in Christchurch in half an hour. I'll keep you informed. And that was it. I remember having this moment of utter, like, wanting to scream. I think I screamed and laughed and cried all at the same time. I don't even know if, how that's possible, but I did. I dropped to the ground. And I'm in my living room. Nobody's there. Nobody's there to see or hear or protect me or help me. And I just been being like, I can't believe we got him. What if we've got him? And then the doubt creeps in. And I think, no, it can't be him. They must have some other person, some other alias. And I message you straight away and I torture you with this text.
0: I remember I first got the OMG Detective Matt dot, dot, dot text come through and I was beside myself watching the, you know, hurry up, send whatever you're sending. I could see you were typing. And I was sitting in bed bolt upright at 2.30 in the morning when that text came through. He's on the plane. He's an hour away from landing in Christchurch. And I just was like, oh, my God, I didn't sleep. For the next, well, for the rest of that night,
3: it was just so surreal. Uh, that actually was the first time that time slowed down. This whole process, and I felt like I was just waiting for that phone call, whatever way. And the doubt creeps in. What if it's not him? What if somehow he still gets through? You know, you don't. I don't know what it even means. Like, does he? Does he get arrested on landing? And then it. Three thirty that afternoon, my phone rings, and it's Detective Matt. And he he says, "I've got him. He's been arrested, and they're taking him to uh, Christchurch Central Police Station to process him." I, I walked outside my back in my house, and it was the most. Crazy, unreal feeling. And even thinking back, cause I, I know I kind of ignore this whole experience sometime, but like remembering it now, it was the feeling of justice. And I didn't actually know what that was going to be like, or if I'd ever get to have it. And it was,
4: it was so good.
3: Detective Matt was amazing and quite funny. <laughs> He goes, um, they'll, they'll end up having him there for the night and he explained to me what would happen at the police and that he'd end up going to possibly to Christchurch men's prison. And he had a wee chuckle then and just said, Andrew won't like that. That's a very rough prison. And he goes, if he'd flown to Queenstown, it would have been a very different experience. I remember hearing Matt's words and... Um, and just saying thank you <laughs> was, if it wasn't for him believing in me and the story and what was going on and acting so fast because it was fast then we wouldn't have caught him and then I had to be a mum again and forget that my life had changed in the moment and for somehow a sliding doors action that he had chosen meant that he was behind bars and then I could breathe again
0: A shadow dark upon the wall moving slow and stretching tall and her hands hold them up that's
2: cold
0: A shadow dark upon the wall moving slow and stretching tall and up to the mountains her gaze is
3: if you liked our story, please share with family and friends. And like, subscribe and review, so others can learn from my lessons. If you or anyone you know has been affected by something similar, please reach out for help. You are not alone. We've included some links in our show notes. Conning the Con was made with the input of Dr. Sophie Muir, and the original music is by the talented Araha Min.
0: Something is creeping in, don't follow
2: down.
0: What they used to call
3: frugal is now considered sustainable.
0: That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new... Tagline for sure.
3: (laughs) You can find Guilty Greeny on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until
4: then, stay Curiously Green. This episode is
0: brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop
1: stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage.
0: No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash offer.
3: Dive into the heart of crime. With Foul Play Crime Series, immerse yourself in the most perplexing cases where each twist and turn is more baffling than the last. With riveting storytelling and detailed analysis, Foul Play brings the unsolved and unexplained to life, captivating your imagination. Listen to Foul Play Crime Series now, where
4: every story is a puzzle waiting to be solved.